Hello, humans. That was a different one this Is that week. A that question? felt weird. I'm are not. Asking, I'm, are there, there I'm, humans? Are you never humans? doing that again. That was too weird. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's try, that. Let's try that. Let's try that Hello, humans. Oh God, did I forget how to do it? Oh God. <laughs> do you know who you are? Who? Oh no, have I been replaced with a robot? You fucking you better not. The AI isn't complete. We can't Am I getting fired? Those around here. You're getting. I don't know if you got fired so much as you already got replaced. Insufficient Rob. I thought that was regular Rob. <laughs> no, so Rob could get the intro right. This this robot clearly still has some kinks in it. Uh, I mean, shit, kinks like best save for the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah. All right. You know what it is. It's Rob here. It's Insufficient Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast's DC Comics Review Show number 133. At least I can get that sentence right. The world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes. And with me, as always, as you've heard already, is Brandon. Hello. Accompanied by piano. And yes. Josh. There are no strings on me. But there might by James be Spade. on Rob. <laughs> uh, <shit. laughs> that damn toy man again. <laughs> oh god, now oh, another cartoon just popped into my head. Oh no, oh, yeah, what's that? It's like on the tip of my brain. I can't think of what it, it was. Like something to do with a puppet. <laughs> something. <laughs> That's to a do lot of shows. It was a. It was about a puppeteer who like took control of people. Was it even a cartoon? Oh my That's god. That's a comic book character. There's a comic it's book a character. It's a couple of comic book characters. Yeah. Me. But it was like live. It was like like motion. Like stop Damn. motion? No. No, just like like things moving, not like a page. Oh. I don't know. Oh man. Nope, not ringing a bell. Shoot. If That's... anybody out there does know That's... what it is, hit us up on Twitter. Oh. Rob knows never what mind. those are. Digimon. <laughs> Digimon? <laughs> How did Digimon. you get puppets from Digimon? <laughs> it was right? no Puppetmon. Shit. Puppetmon Puppet was Mon. popping into my head. Ah, oh, for the love from of the that. end of the first like, Adventure O One with the the dark, the yeah. Never mind. Interesting. <laughs> I just That's remember Puppetmon like controlled them with the strings. Okay, oh, never mind. If you say so. Yeah. So if you ever want to get in touch with us and talk about how insufficient Rob's an idiot, you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcast.com and you can get us on Twitter at notarobotcomics and Instagram at narcomicbooks. And as always, if you like supporting us, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash narpodcast where you can get access to our own Discord server where we're always talking with each other and other fans about all things geek but this week's been pretty quiet. <laughs> so it has been. Yeah, I don't know. In the geek verse, it's been been little more than a whisper. Yeah, I know myself, Kirk, and Caitlin were complaining about Toy Story Five being announced and Frozen Three. Are you serious? That's the yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. Holy milk it's, in the uh, money bags. Yeah. Andy Andy gets a job in the working world and decides he wants his toys back. No, Andy left a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was even in four, which we already discussed how 
stupid that movie was. Look, if they can I, bring Palpatine back in Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> they can bring Andy back. Never so, say never, my friend. Somehow, Andy returned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I Personally, I didn't hate Boy, number four. It just Number three was such a perfect cap to the series, in my opinion. It, it should have just stopped there. Number three was a little scary for kids. Oh, yeah, it made me freaking cry, and I was, like, yeah. 21? When did that movie come out? 2009. Oh, I was 19. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but honestly, the mood, the theater I was in, everybody was fucking crying. That was a hell of a oh, movie. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, we're here for... Uh, you said that, and I, I took that the other type of ball in. Like, <laughs> you, I mean... You just, I was having a I was, time. Was oh, like, yeah, no, I was, I was balling back then, too. But, like, oh, also, yeah. I was bawling my eyes out. Yeah. Which is fair. As you should. When you're watching Toy Story 3, you should be doing yeah. both. And naturally. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're here for one thing and one thing only, and that is comic books, as is the usual case. In today's comic books, we're looking at Monkey Prince number 11, Lazarus Planet, Next Evolution number 1, Poison Ivy number 9, Batman number 132, and The Flash number 792, as well as some honorable mentions, as I've said, is the case. But before we get into that... We are going to get into the news. So what's going on with you guys? Oh, uh, just sitting here being elated. Yeah, no, just yeah. the uh, the usual uh, craziness, I suppose. Um, and uh, looking forward to getting into to this week's books. And you know what I'm looking forward <laughs> and, to? And uh, maybe next week's books, but uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Right on. You know what I'm looking forward to? What's that? Can you guess? You can't guess. One I, I of possibly. my all-time favorite books, which I am still waiting for part two, has been picked up by Amazon as an animated series. It was originally going to be a movie, but a series has apparently been deemed to work out better. Centering around Sailor Rooks, her family moves to a small town oh, yeah, where Sailor discovers this. it is plagued by twisted evil spirits. I cannot begin to tell you how freaking awesome this is. I would Keep be more excited out. if what? I didn't already know that this had been coming for like five months, but it's still <sighs> very cool that it's been officially announced. Scott um, Snyder, Jock, oversight over the whole thing, and apparently it's supposed to bring Jock's art to life. I can't even imagine what that's going to yes. look like. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's going to be a while, I'm assuming, because, I mean, it just was publicly announced. But Yeah, no, and uh, if for, for anyone who is uh, uh, subscribed to Scott Snyder's Substackers doing the... Uh, the uh, comic writing 101 class. You, you sort of have known this is coming because he's been talking endlessly about working in the witch's writer's room and they've been putting together scripts for like the past year or something crazy like that. So I think they were just waiting for the official green light from Amazon to have them pick up episodes, which they did. So now they're uh, bringing it to life and let's hope that it uh, does not get as canceled or does not get canceled as fast as uh, uh, poor Brian K. Vaughn's adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> two for two, I, I, buddy. I think, Come on, man. I missed great. what you. I missed part of that. What what got greenlit? Oh, the witches. the show, so witches. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty yes, awesome. indeed. 
Oh God, I love that book so much. <laughs> uh, but that's that's, that's the extent exciting. of the news that I have. Well, yeah, it's really good news for me. With though. with that, I'm gonna bring the mood down a bit. <laughs> oh shit! I, I'm sorry to say, we have lost another comic creator in oh, the world. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, this one at 53 years old, Lee Motor, the comics artist who helped create Courtney Whitmore, aka Stargirl, has passed away, uh, I believe last month. Um, some of his credits involve uh, include Legion of Superheroes, Wonder Woman, among many others, as I already stated, Stargirl. Uh, great artist. Damn shame to lose him at such yeah. a young age. I didn't even realize that that had happened until you shared it in Discord. Yeah. I mean, I think it was... When I shared it in Discord, I think that's when it was announced. <laughs> so. Okay. Oh, that is a bummer, man. We've been losing a lot of good ones lately. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 is a major loss and a damn shame. Um, beyond that, I do have some fun news that might cheer us up a wee bit. <laughs> well, we're going to um, have nice. to have that, Rob. Yeah, so that's why I led with the sad news, and now we're getting into some happy news. So last week, we talked about the DCU slate in the movie and TV business for DC Studios, as told by Indeed James Gunn and Peter Safran. And there were some obvious nods towards inspirations for some of these projects but now they have uh, officially at least james gunn has officially revealed some of the specific uh inspirations for some of the projects specifically the comic book inspirations and for starters uh we have four listed here uh for the upcoming superman the inspirational book is all-star superman from grant morrison to frank quaitley which that's is, I think we we think had that's a what feeling we were that all was pretty much assuming. Yeah, no, we mentioned yeah. that yeah. last time. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, the, they're we they're so time. like not even subtle about it. Like, yeah, they had. <laughs> I, I'm not even on Twitter, but every article on the you know clickbaity websites was like, oh, James Gunn is reportedly reading All Star Superman. And you're like, oh, geez, oh, I yeah. wonder why. And then, and then literally, the thing that makes me <laughs> laugh is, um, Rob, I know you're on Instagram, so you've probably seen this a couple of times, but DC has been like posting all of the comics uh, that are yeah. supposedly inspiring this stage of the new yeah. films, and they're just like, hey, check this out. And one of the first ones they posted was All-Star Superman. All-Star Superman, which, exactly. Yeah, hey, yeah. great to have more eyes on it. Exactly. And great comic book to, to draw inspiration from for an upcoming movie, because it is Absolutely. what many believe to be, or say is, the quintessential version of Superman. I, I agree. And I hope if we if we are getting, I mean, it's not going to be direct, whoa, direct, adaptation of all-star superman but if it can take one thing from all-star superman i really hope they take the issue where it really focuses on jimmy olsen and just like try and work that in that's one of my favorite issues it's so funny um and also you get like extremely cocky jimmy fighting against evil superman how could you how could you possibly not love that so um, that's all i ask considering the the last live action jimmy olsen we got was there for 
maybe two minutes three seconds yeah yeah so anything (laughs) is better than that for that plus i know james gunn likes his funny moments so all you need is like a brief two minute montage of superman and jimmy doing things that's all i need give me that and the movie gets an a for me yeah i'm down for that so we we have that to look forward to uh that is confirmed uh, another one we also kind of saw coming, and I think was semi-confirmed during the initial announcement, but is now fully confirmed. The uh, at least Brave and the Bold uh, is inspired by Grant Morrison's Batman. Uh, you can kind of tell because Damien will be involved, and I think he even said Grant Morrison's <laughs> Batman in yes. his presentation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Authority will be based off. They they list the Authority omnibus. Uh, which does include a lot of That's issues, a lie. but I think I That's think such a lie. more That's more cap. importantly, Warren Ellis. Yeah, uh, we all know Warren it's Ellis we all know if if they're doing the Authority, the classic Wildstorm Authority, they're only drawing from the first twelve issues because no one actually likes Millar's Authority. They pretend that they do, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, I've not met a single person who actually went. Yeah, that was a really good one. I liked it, except for you know loonies and weirdos, <laughs> but like. <laughs> bad weirdos yeah that's actually a discussion that we had on screens earlier today when we recorded this at what point do you separate the art from the artist at what point does the art become at what point does the art belong to the fans and um Isaiah and I talked about it for a little bit but I mean at the end of the day I I decided what I thought is right is once an artist lets their art out into the world, it's no longer theirs. Oh, I get a little bit of yeah, get a little bit of financial kickback from it. But um, I mean, realistically speaking, if it's a good damn story, it's a good damn story, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and I, I think I've mentioned a couple of times. It's a bit harder for me because you know, despite controversy and everything, Warren Ellis wrote what is arguably my favorite comic series of all time, Transmetropolitan. And that is a book that is so intrinsically tied to all aspects of American life that it's kind of hard to, at some points, it's kind of hard to divorce the, the art in that sense from the artist because it is such a, a clear um, a distillation of his vision. That being said, I do think you can read that and still come away not feeling like um, you know, you're being, I guess, disingenuous to the victims or anything. Like I think anyone can pick up Transmetropolitan or The Authority or Planetary or any of the seminal works from him and still feel satisfied with it. I, I think so, at least, but that's just me. I'm sure many would disagree. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like here. it's not like listening to Bump and Grind by R. Kelly. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say the only red flag is that, yeah, the only red flag is that one of the main characters, Spider-Jerusalem, has these assistants that he's really close with, um, and one of them he actually ends up sleeping with, and that, that was the only thing where, like, I remember that, and I kind of looked back with my eyebrow raised a little bit, like, oh, maybe this was a sign, but aside from that, I think it's pretty disconnected, and anyone can come away from it feeling pretty, uh, pretty, um, you know... Uh, happy well as happy as you can be reading that book so and regardless long story short it's going to be a good authority story yeah yes well they're they're taking inspiration from a good authority story whether or not they'll do it justice remains to be seen but yes and finally the the last one confirmed is 
uh, for Swamp Thing. And it is The Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore. Shut Oh, what up. a surprise. Yeah. Who would so have saw would be... that coming? Yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> that it, it, as long it's as like do doing it justice, a Daredevil though, show okay and with it. basing it on the Frank Miller run. Like, why? How, how would they ever do that? <laughs> they would never do that. No. No, they're obviously going to do it on the DG Chichester run from 1994. <laughs> Greatest run ever. Of course. <laughs> of course. Naturally. Yeah. I think DG Chichester was actually at Terrificon one year, the year that I went. So if you're listening, <laughs> I didn't mean that as an insult. I just mean that you know what I mean. I hope you know what I mean. <laughs> Everybody knows what he means, including yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and finally, there was one other piece of news that I am, am kind of reluctant to share. Uh, Tom Taylor renounced it on his Twitter, and it was all over the news cycles online. But it is essentially a solicitation, but we haven't had the official solicitations yet. So I'm kind of on the fence of, to even talk about it. But it is about Adventure of Superman. Uh, specifically the first three issues and where the story heads into it. What bugs me is that it's being billed, if I remember correctly, as a six-issue series. And he, he just told us what happens in issue three before issue one's even come out. So that's kind of silly to me. Let us freaking read it. <laughs> Let us get excited when the issue comes out in a few months, and then we can talk about it. Why are we I don't know. About Tom Taylor is kind of a marketing genius. He did that for a reason. I can... Well, I wouldn't say genius, more like tease. I think he knows that his yeah. audience is very familiar with. I don't want to. I mean, Rob, if you want to keep it under wraps, I can do that. But let's just say people are very familiar with this aspect of the DCU, um, yeah. especially Tom Taylor's connection with it, which I feel like is going to give it away. But yeah. point is, oh wait, yeah, yeah I, no, I did. see I think that. he just likes to tease that you, stuff. You did yeah. see it. Okay. I did see it. Yep, I did see yeah. it. It's the same thing we're getting, that other thing that Tom Taylor is connected to in the first issue. There, was that vague enough? No, yeah. I, forget, I think I it was very vague that. enough for everybody that was listening. But I'm I mean, at this point, the first issue is kind of, everybody knows about the first issue. <laughs> I would assume at this point. Uh, it comes out next month, I think. So, yeah, Tom Taylor writing more Tom Taylor stuff. I'm not against it. <laughs> it's just no, maybe as long just as he d- wait till the book comes out. Yeah, maybe yeah. three issues was a bit much, Tommy. Yeah, that's I'm what excited I for it, Tommy. But me and him go way, way back. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Call him Mr. Taylor. And before he moved to Australia, he grew up with me and Flint. That's, that's uh, yeah. of course. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so I think that's at least that's all I've got. All the news that's, that's fit to print for me. That's it for the news. Should we move on uh, to the honorable mentions that I've got? Oh, you got you got. Well, some I have. I I have. Yeah. I mean, you kind of already said one of the things that I was going to say, which was related to Adventures of Superman, and that was right. that they released the cover for issue number three. Yes. So if you want to avoid spoilers, don't look that up. If you don't care, it's out there. You can just look up Adventures of Superman, John Kent number three, and it will tell you everything you need to know 
about what's coming up in that issue or roughly yeah. everything. And then my last one is just a little bit of a promo because I, I got to finally um, catch up with this issue last night. But there's a series, an image right now. It's called All Against All. It's written by Alex Pacnadel with art from Casper Weingard. It is so fucking good. I, I could not go on this show and not pimp it out at least a little bit. So please, I'm begging you, pick up this book. It is incredible. It's The premise is basically sci-fi Tarzan meets Predator. How can Whoa, you not love a shit. book like that? It's so okay. good. Uh, and the art is amazing. My pull list right now. Um, <laughs> and it's only, it's only a five-issue limited series, and it's already three issues in, so it's nearly over. But it... Like, I read the third issue last night, and I've just been so hooked on this book since the beginning. And a little additional promo, I did a review of it over on our Substack, which you can check out. Uh, But aside from that, um, yeah, no, I just had to promote that a little bit. I'm not getting paid for this, but if I was, I would still do it. Well, I I mean, mean, that's what a review show is. We review it. Yeah. Yeah. You just review it. It's a hell of a book. Go get it. So you can pay yourself. I wish. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All so right. with that, we're going to get to honorable mentions. Mr. Josh, take us away. All right. We've got a couple on here. Um, Batman and the Joker, Deadly Duo. It's an interesting story. It's number four. It's an interesting story. This issue, the art was phenomenal. I feel like the plot is a bit forecasted or it's going to be a hell of a twist. It's definitely Mark Silvestri. So if you're a fan, go grab that one up. I gave that an 8.25 out of 10. Static Shadow of Dakota. Number one. Great art. Super enjoyed the art. Um, Dakota is going through a whole lot of shit right now. I love the way that everything is interconnected and, um, I like right now read everything milestone because it's 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 been damn fun. Uh gave that an eight out of ten. Joker, the man who stopped laughing, number five. This story honestly gets better with each issue. The Jokers finally come face to face in this issue. Um, it did have one hell of an unexpected twist, so uh it's gonna lead to a very disappointed Red Hood. But it is, uh, nonetheless, it is a very good story, and it is a 9 out of 10 for me. And then Gotham City Year 1, number 5. I'm five issues in, and I still can't get into it. Um, it's like they, they just came up with a book idea that would match Phil Hester's favorite art style with Tom King's excessive wordiness. And they're like, noir story. Um, probably great for some, but I'm passing on it. I'm, I'm, I'm done with Gotham City Year 1. This is... Too much for me to do. That got a 6 out of 10. Hester's work is pretty good for Hester's style work. But that's it. That's all the honorables. Fair enough. Right on. Uh, No need for me to interrupt because we're just going to go right into Quick Bites now. And Josh is going to take us away again for Monkey Prince number 11. Indeed I will. Written by Jean Wen Yang. Art by Bernard Chang and uh, Hai Ning. Marcelo Mialo and Adriana Lucas on colors. Janice Chang on lettering with the cover coming from Chang and Mialo. Um, so Ultra Humanite's trying to get the Phantom Zone projector working so he can pull the Monkey King through this portal, but he has to break into the Hall of Justice to get all of the parts. He does. He opens up a portal. Monkey Prince shows up and goes through the portal. Then we see the origin story, him coming to Earth from the Phantom Zone just like the Monkey King. So he is the son of the Monkey King. 
Monkey T King tells Prince that he has the power to defeat Neza and the Fireball God, and that is the issue. Um, the fucking art looks great always in this title. Um, this is really spectacular. I absolutely loved every panel. Uh, two pairs of artists, one for present day, one for the flashback, and it's it's nearly seamless. And, I mean, I do really like this title in general. This was a great issue. Um, it's been a great story, silly, action-packed, and now it seems potentially godlike. So, uh, got an 8.75 out of 10 from me. Um, I'm excited for this 12th issue. Tripitaka, finally mentioned. Uh, if you're a fan of the original uh, lore, then, then you know that name. And I'm excited to see that happen. Uh, but that being said, there's got to be a second season or something. Uh, there's got to be. Yeah. With, there's there's one be. issue left. And they have uh, the so Lazarus much. Planet finale. They have Tripitaka. They have Ultra Humanite Brainwashing Marcus. And Rescuing the Monkey King all left for one issue. There's no way. <laughs> there's way too much. Unless they're making it like a 100-page oversized issue. I don't, I don't buy it. Uh, I don't think so. the Monkey King is getting rescued, but other than uh, that, there still is a whole lot um, that they do need to wrap up. So I'm hoping that there is a season to um, wrap up the storylines that are necessary to wrap up, wrap up your Dark Crisis tie-in, which is going to be involving Neza and the Fireball God, and then bring us all the rest of the Monkey King stuff in season two. Yeah. I would be okay with that as long as the season two comes because there's a oh, lot definitely. of shit here that, that, that needs further explanation. Yeah, there's gotta be. If there isn't, I'd be seriously surprised. But for now, 9 out of 10, very good issue. Uh, interesting tie-in. Monkey Prince is one to look out for this year, I think. Major character for the rest of the year. Yep. Very silly, but also a very good story. Fantastic art. Brandon, did you get a chance to read this one? No, no, I did not get a chance to read. You're missing out, man. You need oh, to go yeah. back and read the Monkey whole King. thing. Oh. Uh, no, I did not get a chance to read Monkey Prince. No, that's true. <laughs> no, you got to check this out. It's a good freaking series. That's good. Uh, good to hear. Well, with that, that's our quick bite for the week. And now we're going to get into our spotlight issue for the week which is Lazarus Planet Next Evolution number one with a gorgeous cover from David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez. And yes. Brandon and I will be tag teaming this book with the four stories splitting the, between us both. And the first one will be handed on over to Brandon. We're tag teaming this book? Shouldn't we take it out to dinner first? Um, no, this is, yes, uh, Lazarus Planet Next Evolution. I'm going to start with our first story. That was filthy. Uh, the Vigil. I hope your mother's no not listening to this. She never does. She doesn't care about comics at all. Um, yes, this is The Vigil, written by Ram V, with art from Lalit Kumar Sharma, and colors from Rain Barreto, with letters from Dave Sharp. This is a fairly short story, but I think largely serves as an introduction to a new team breaking in the DC universe. We catch up with Jason Todd, who is figuring out just how the hell he ended up in these situations, like every hilarious movie beginning you've ever seen. And of course, it started in Gotham, 
where he was investigating some Lazarus resin, which led him to the Gotham docks and to a very unfortunate scene in one of the boats in the Gotham docks where it appears that pretty much everyone there is dead, but dead in the most visceral, whoa, visceral, zombified ways you can possibly imagine. And that's when Jason comes face to face with the mysterious team or a couple members of a team that seem to be making their way through the rest of the boat, taking care of the rest of the people who are there, and trying to get access to the resin before really Red Hood or anyone else can stop them. Um, and that's pretty much it. They uh, managed to escape with the rest of the Lazarus resin, leave Jason on the harbor dumbfounded, and ride off into the sunset flashing a V before heading off. Um, it's, I don't know, it's it's hard to say exactly how I feel about this one because it is a really cool, slick introduction to this team. And there's certainly a level of mystery, but I think just how little we get from this team, how little information, it's kind of hard to get invested yeah. in them right now. I don't know how you guys feel, but this is largely a Jason story. Like, pretty oh, yeah. much all the narration is told from his perspective. We really only get to see them at the end, and then they have a couple of lines and then they're just gone. I mean, we don't even know anyone's names, um, so it's kind of hard to say anything. We just get a sense of some of their powers. Um, so I can't really say I'm in love with the concept or the team because I don't know anything about them, but you know, I'm interested to learn more and want to know what their connection is to Lazarus Resin and why they have such a need to make sure they, they get it before these, uh, you know, these villains have their hands on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to really give any kind of definitive opinion on it because it's so um, unclear what this team actually is. Give the story itself a 7.75 out of 10. Like, super solid, very slick, but there's just not enough information there to yeah. really kind of get me hyped for this team yet. But, you know, it's a fun Jason story. Um, just I feel like the emphasis is more on the team, but because we don't know anything, it's hard to be invested yet. But, yeah. That's yeah, where I'm at. I, I'm in the exact same boat. It's an interesting setup, but I'm not sure how much I care yet. Because, <laughs> yeah. like you said, there's not much to go on. There's no information. Uh, my biggest gripe is why is Jason in his old Red Hood suit? I don't know. Considering, <laughs> I guess he Joker... was feeling nostalgic that day. <laughs> that that's like, your biggest question. Well, that's my biggest gripe. It's not my oh, question. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Did, did I ever, the same, did the I ever same tell week you guys Joker about... came out and he was in his current one? Yeah. Did I ever tell you guys the story of how I, t this was like 2018, I think, I tweeted at Tom King about why Dick Grayson was wearing his New 52 costume when he should have been wearing his old one. And he actually got back to me and he was like, well, you know, I don't really have an answer, but I think sometimes they just change their costumes. And I always remember that. I was like, eh, well, I mean, it's probably true. Could they're be. like everyone else. They just change. Sometimes they're like, eh, I want to wear the other one. Um, so that's, that's my answer. <laughs> Or maybe you just had to wear that one like, today. The current ones it was laundry day. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. You hear that superheroes to be be prepared with extra yes. costumes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I can really say right now. <laughs> There's not much to go on. The vigil <laughs> looks cool, but <laughs> I wish I'll I had wait until next time. Yeah. yeah. I uh you know, I'm a Ron V fan for sure. Um, yeah. and New characters, a shapeshifter, some super skilled fighter that's like more than fast, and I guess micro teleports, and then some green teched out looking onomatopoeia inspired dude. Um, cool, but I feel like the whole issue existed just to set up these new characters. Um, 
And my biggest gripe is Red Hood not having a gun does not make any sense. That is a very, very weird, weird writing choice when that's his whole thing. Is he uses guns? guns. He he gave gave up up using bullets. He he's he swapped out regular bullets for rubber ones. Unless no, but I think in the wait, what about the urban legends? Yeah, I was just gonna say like at the end of that he gave up his guns. He gave up guns. Yeah, he gave up his guns. But then every story featuring him between that and this, he was using guns. So right. Who I don't knows even remember. So if he was I using guns. that's what it was. Yeah, but I don't. He, I don't he think was he was using, using guns in the Joker. But I don't think he was and using guns in uh, Task Force Z, was he? I, I think he was. Yeah, but rubber bullets. I don't think so. Uh, but at yeah, least, like, even this know. week in in Last Man Who Laughed, Joker, Last Man Who Laughed, he was using guns. Ooh, <laughs> someone's yeah. not paying attention. <laughs> so it's. Jason's a conundrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a fair grape. That is a fair... I did I did notice that when I was reading. I forgot about that, that he, he pointed out that someone was using guns. I, I had got that maybe just because I haven't been as caught up with the man who stopped laughing, but I was yeah. just like, oh, I guess that's just... They're still keeping that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see as time goes on. Yes. Uh, all right, so our next story is Flatline, which is written by Brandon T. Snyder with art from Laura Braga, colors from Matt Herms, and letters from Troy Pateri. The Flatline from the famous Robin series has some upgraded powers, now being able to speak and listen to the dead, and she hears a faint voice that brings her to Ubu, the once bodyguard of Rachel Ghoul. After a brief brawl where Flatline comes out on top, she comes across an urn that Ubu begs her to not open, but ever the rebel she does anyway, and with her new powers, the contents of the urn recompose into none other than Rachel Ghoul himself, now alive yet again. Well, that didn't last long. What is that is that a new record <laughs> from like death to resurrection? <laughs> like it might be in quotation death? Yeah, I feel like there have been faster ones, but I can't say for certain. Yeah. Like, uh, the first one that comes to mind, and maybe it's just because of the Lazarus stuff, but you know, Robin, I think Batwoman was killed and then in the same issue was brought back to life in the Lazarus shit. pits. And you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I oh. mean, you knew it was going to happen, but yeah. yeah, it's still funny. But I mean, like, like there's stories where the character dies, but you know they're mm. being brought back by the end. Like Harley Quinn, yeah. for example. But like, yeah. there's there's other deaths that are supposedly permanent, like Rach was supposed to be supposedly, and now mm. all of a sudden here he is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Annoying. But I guess remains to be seen. It could just be, uh, maybe, the Flatlines just seeing a ghost. Probably not, because they had Rach in um, Flashpoint Beyond, right? He was just like, I'm yeah. back now, and they didn't really explain that. Oh shit. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, so I don't blame you. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that didn't last long <laughs> at all. All right. Isn't this wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
fucking hell. <laughs> okay. What what about you guys? You got anything else to add? <laughs> Isn't that um wait a minute, what am I thinking of? Isn't that like a robot chicken sketch? Like the superhero funeral where like everyone's all sad and they're at the funeral and then the, the superhero just shows up and he's like, What are you guys sad about? I'm back. Like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> oh, I gotta find, I gotta find that one. I'm no, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about any of the stories that are in this book. Um, I mean, this story just exists to make Flatline more prominent. That's that's about it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it seriously did, in a way. Like, Flatline's a cool character. I would love to see more of her. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. We're definitely seeing an uptick of the younger people being brought into the forefront. For sure. Yeah. Oh no! So I I, I I searched robot chicken superhero funeral. The first one that pops up, Captain Carrot's funeral. Why are you doing this to my childhood, robot chicken? Oh god, that's <laughs> horrible. Wait, I think I found it. It's called Comic Book Deaths. I think this is it. Um, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to check it. Yeah, or something like that. Okay. I, yeah. I swear it was something. It was like something like that. Whereas, there's a, yeah, someone dies. There's yeah, I guess Green Arrow's so. funeral as well. Right, gotta yeah, look these up later. I'll have to check that later. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, gonna be fun. <laughs> All right, uh, next up is Dead Eye. Brandon, you want to tell us what's going on with that? Absolutely. This is Dead Eye, or The Abyss of the Dead Eye, is the title of the story. Uh, says, written by Chuck Brown with pencils from Alitha Martinez, inks from Mark Morales, colors from Alex Guimares, and letters from Troy Pateri. Deadeye meets Amanda Waller on the astral plane, and they're having their back and forth. You get the sense that these two know each other in some way, and they're sort of confiding of recent events, of, of things that have happened to them, and that's when we uh, get some information about a recent showdown, or I think a currently ongoing showdown, um, between Deadeye and um, I believe the character is called Amalgam Man, who I yeah. think is the is like a Lazarus-affected version of Everyman, yeah. uh, the an Arrow villain. Um, thankfully, well, I say thankfully as if this guy is a good guy, but I don't get the impression that he is. Um, but Deadeye is able to get the upper hand on Everyman and seemingly return him to normal uh, before I can't really tell if he's laying him to rest or... If he's putting him putting him down before he dies, um, and then basically stares off into the distance, his job now done. Um, a solid story. I correct me if I'm wrong, but is Deadeye a new character, um, or am oh. I am I am I going? I, I can't crazy. place exactly where I know him from, but I do know him from somewhere. I, I forgot to look. Yeah, him I feel like I've heard that like name him. before. Yeah. Is it? He I mean, I know there's a. Yeah, I know, I know there's a. a there's a character in the multiverse named Deadeye, but I don't I don't remember any Yeah, I don't I don't remember any DC characters named that. So if this is a Isn't a character, he the one I'm, that can he isn't he the one that teleports weapons to him? No, that's no. um uh, I don't remember his name either. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it's not Deadeye and even looking looking it up on on C anything well, about him either so i think i think this is a yeah i think this might be a, a debut of a new character one who 
has a familial connection to Amanda Waller, which I think could be very interesting because one of the yeah. things that I feel like we know very little about is, you know, Amanda Waller's family life or personal life. So might be interesting or might be an interesting way to kind of expand on that while also um, delving into this new character. But I thought it was cool. I thought it was like kind of a fun, slick story. Um, and uh, it says end, so I don't know if this is going to continue anywhere else. But, you know, if it does, I'll, uh, I'll definitely be checking that out. Oh, I'm thinking Bloodsport. That's it, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, blood sh- or Bloodsport. Yeah, no, it looks like a brand new character. That's really weird, because I could have sworn I'd seen this person before. It seemed but... really familiar, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he freaking looks like Bloodsport. Sp- yeah, he's got that kind of... Sp- like an amalgamation of Deadshot and Bloodsport. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, even on League of Comic Geeks, first appearance is this issue. Yeah. So, cool. all right. Someone oh, there we go. The Amalgam Man. Dead <laughs> Eye and Every Man and Amalgam Man walk into a bar. The end. Everyone dies. <laughs> yes. Well, we don't know that yet because they just said end. That's it. Yeah. It's up to you. It's an open ended story. It's choose your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> All There's right, no more so pages. With that, we are on to Red Canary, which is written by Delilah S. Dawson, art and colors by Brent and Stein. That's all I have. I don't know <laughs> if those are first names, last names, or what. Uh, Ted Brandt and Rose those... Stein. I know. Oh, okay. it's it's they're like a husband and wife team or something like that. But I oh, okay. I don't know why they don't have their first names in here. That's a little weird. Yeah. Fair enough. And letters from Troy Pateri. So Red Canary is having some trouble caring about school ever since the events of Dark Crisis and her time spent fighting villains with heroes, specifically her hero, Black Canary. Outside her dorm, the Lazarus Reign begins and begins to bring all the statues around town to life, which then start attacking people, as they would. She suits up and calls sideways for some assistance, and together they stop most of the statues as Red Canary begins to have a new lease on her hero life. Uh, and, yeah, so a wonderful team-up. Perhaps a new young super team on the horizon? Oh, I, yeah. I got that the feeling. new young justice, maybe? Uh, yeah. I'm so down for that. There's some Teen Titans things going on here. Young Justice, then Teen Titans, then Titans, and then Justice League is off on the planet. So that works for me. Um, Red, Red Canary might be a cool character to read, and I fucking love Sideways. It's always cool to see him. So yeah, uh, I'm glad to see these guys in a, in a little story, uh, obviously leading to us seeing a bit more of them, hopefully more even after Dark Crisis is gone. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely, for sure. I'd hate for them to end up being cannon fodder. Oh yeah, no. no yeah. Read, reading like these the two together though, I was getting like a a new champions vibe. I was thinking that Marvel. too. Well, I was yeah. I was thinking maybe they could bring back Young Justice with some of these characters as a way to kind of combat the champions. But uh, I could also see them doing a new team. Although I think it would be just much easier to you know reuse one of the older young team teams um, mm-hmm. since there are many. And Young Justice yeah, no is getting a little old now. <laughs> They're called Young Justice. How can they be getting old? Isn't that an oxymoron? 
They're aging they're, up. That's what we're saying. Young they're old, old justice. justice. They're old <laughs> justice. Wait, old justice. Isn't that the Justice Society? Yeah. Well, I think there actually was an old justice in the uh, in the Young Justice uh, comic book, and it was just like a bunch of Golden Age characters. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Uh, all together, like, though, guys, I mean, the the art, I didn't think anything was out, completely outstanding. The stuff in the Red Hood story was pretty good, but everything else pretty average. Um, I didn't hate it, but there was nothing that that got me super excited. Uh, Rom V fucking up a Red Hood story bumped me out. Um, yeah. No, I'm but, right there uh, with you. Not much exciting. But, um, like, nothing horrible. It just wasn't much for me. I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. 6.75 for me overall like I didn't hate anything it just nothing excited me it was kind of yeah honestly kind of boring at times yeah no 7 out of 10 for me there's stuff that I'm interested in but nothing that's really stand out it's more like it feels like a lot of it's just set up for things that are coming later which is yeah. I'm kind of like okay I don't want to be impatient but I'm also kind of just like get to it. Yeah. Right, Cuz most like, of this shit you don't have to, done in 3 pages. Yeah, it's just like you don't have to tease me like just give me the first issue and if it's good I'll keep reading it. Exactly. Right. You don't have to play these games. Like oh, one or two of those kind of stories in a book like this is fine and then have yeah. the others exciting like Matter. deep in the heart of the the plot stories but Yeah. Yeah, this was all set up, and it was kind of, what's the point? Yeah. All right, well, with that, we are going to take a quick commercial break. Stay tuned. And we're back. Thank you for sticking with Not a Robot. That's all I got to say about that. We're going to get into our full dive reviews for the week, starting off with none other than Batman number 132 and... Brandon is going to tell us about that one, if my notes are correct. Yeah, yeah Batman, okay. you guys know this character, right? Everybody loves him. Uh, I've but met as him. Rob said, this is Yeah, I know, I met him too. He's a he's a, a swell guy. Gave yep. me a, he was at a he was at a car show. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that makes sense. He seems like a car guy. Yep. <laughs> um <laughs> this is <laughs> Yeah, Batman story, I'm going to Yeah, of course. Uh and I'm I guess I'm just gonna kind of go through this and we'll we'll do our thing. I know with the new format, we're still figuring it out, but um, our main story was brought to us by Chip Zdarsky with art from Mike Hawthorne, or pencils from Mike Hawthorne, inks from Adriana De Benedetto, colors from Tomu Murray, and letters from Clayton Cowell. And this is part two of the Batman of Gotham. We check at the illustrious, the, uh, I believe it's called the, something tower um where we meet some old friends at least they seem like friends except we realize that they're multiverse versions of us and they're not really our friends um because not we don't know them friends. but anyway exactly um these friends are none other than leslie tompkins who appears to be living or possibly married to alfred pennyworth and leslie's going out into the town to do her thing and try and help people whereas alfred seems to be more shy in, um and 
right from the bat, you know that these are, are not exactly the characters that we, uh, we have come to know and love. A very different version. So if you weren't convinced that this was somewhere in the multiverse, it definitely is now. Uh, and this is evidenced by the fact that Bruce literally says, right after this, I'm in another universe. Um, <laughs> we catch up with Bruce, who is helping a young whippersnapper slash Robin surrogate named Jewel uh, with her underground movement, the underground Gotham movement, basically helping out where they can and uh, trying to, you know, do everything. Bruce seems to still be suffering from what he's calling multiversal sickness uh, and questioning why he's acting all weird and speaking to people who aren't there. And that's when she reveals that apparently um, the city has been filled with some kind of gas that is calling or is causing people to go, you know, a little bit insane or see things that aren't really there. Um, it's called crane brain, man. Yeah, crane brain, as, yeah. as uh, she refers to it. And she gives him medicine that will basically help him through the process. We catch up with Red Matches through his own process of trying to locate this mysterious Bruce Wayne that has popped up and is chiding Harvey Dent for his failure in doing so and reminding him that he works for him, not the other way around. Um, and if you weren't certain that this red mask guy is uh, someone not to be fucked with, you know this now. Um, but Bruce is next trying to figure out a plan to get into the tower to meet um, with the one who may just be able uh, to help him get out of this universe and figure that out, a man named Halliday. Um, uh, but he's going to have to do that using the art of disguise, which is certainly no strange concept to Batman. And upon entering the tower as a reclusive businessman or something like that, he is ambushed by none other than this universe's version of Selina Kyle, which, of course means it's spicy because naturally being an idiot knows that it's Bruce and not just some other random billionaire guy. Um, but before they can really get into anything, um, it seems that Selena has realized what Bruce is here for and catches him with a whip. But before she is able to drag him off and do whatever horrible interrogation techniques she was planning, who should invade but this universe's version of Punchline, who is also there looking to kidnap Bruce Wayne all, I believe, in service of Red Mask. But the fun doesn't stop there, because if you thought Punchline wasn't enough, you're insane, because I guess for a job like this, you also need Killer Croc, who shows up sure that Bruce does not escape, but yeah. naturally, with the skills that he has developed, he is able to get out of the tower without anything, though not before he receives quite a shock uh, towards the end, seeing Alfred in the tower basically being a bystander, which is horrible. Uh, Bruce is narrowly able to escape, but is almost falling to his death, though he reminds himself that he's fallen from the moon, so he can pretty much survive anything at this point, which, you know, <laughs> fair point. Like, falling crazy. from buildings, <laughs> falling from the moon, not really comparable <laughs> at all. Um, but uh, Bruce is somehow able to survive that fall from the tower, uh, and of course, in true Batman fashion, has to step in when he sees some police brutality breaking in progress right in front of him. And that is when he has a final realization, I think, uh, particularly seeing just how cruel and horrible this city has become, that he shall do what he has always done, and that is become a bat. Uh, so I would say pretty, I guess, exciting turn uh, for this story. I'm still not, I don't know, I I'm still a little iffy on the whole him in a multiversal world kind of thing where he's just off doing his own thing because 
I understand it can be good for character development, but ultimately, unless anything is carrying over um, from this universe to the main universe, it, it's going to be unimportant, which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a bad story. It's just if your plan is building up this larger story that you've already kind of established with failsafe and everything and then jumping over to another universe, it does feel a little strange. So I'm, I'm still a little on the fence about it, but I will admit that this was a solid issue and, and definitely... Um, was a, a really kind of dramatic twist that I'm sure we all saw coming uh, at the end with Bruce uh, acknowledging he needs to that yet again. So I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. Still not completely sold on the story, but I'm at least you know a little bit more invested than I was previously. So I gave this one an 8 out of 10. I do really like the art. I think the colors uh, and some of the inking is really what's saving it because it's... I've, I've seen Mike Hawthorne before without inks, and it's really rough. Um... And I think in this case, Adriano is, is kind of working to smooth it out a little bit, and Tomu is just bringing it to life with his colors. So it makes it look a lot more polished than I think it would look otherwise, and that's really nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, so from that, just, I, I guess, uh, development in this story, um, looking forward to what's coming next, but still kind of waiting for it to really uh, grab me or really sell me on the concept. So 8 out of 10 for me, at least for the main story. beat up in more ways than one he's feeling defeated because gotham is so much worse than he thought it was uh he's having troubles uh because you know he 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 he's having a hard time drawing that line between this universe's alfred and selena who by the way what a seriously cool dress <laughs> i'm just putting that out there that thing was really cool but anyway um Another another thing that I, uh, I I'm not sure about is Darwin Halliday might be the Joker, but it could also be Bruce Tripping Balls because of the crane brain. Oh, um, I was trying to keep that secret, but oh, whoops! Right. Well, whoops! Oh bad. well, spoilers! <laughs> Spoiler! Wait, what were you keeping um, secret? But I was trying to keep the because he doesn't explicitly say it, but he sees Halliday and. He sort of has a realization oh, that yeah. he might be this universe's version of the Joker, mm. but I, I didn't want to give that away. Oh, okay, well, I'll be up. I, be I was going to anyway by accident, but I have oh, well. for a reason though. Too I have a theory about that. I beat yeah. you to ruining it. <laughs> but um, yeah, even as far as the art goes, man, there were a couple panels that weren't great, but I thought the art was pretty dang good in this. The colors, you're right, they do really make this art. Uh, pop off the page now well not pop off the page but they really make the art i i, I appreciate i can't talk that's what i can um i appreciate the way that the inner dialogue was written um from bruce's point of view it felt accurate like i was this wasn't generic batman this was like legitimate batman um i'm itching for the next issue already hell uh, hell yeah it's a it's a great setup to a cool situation man i loved this issue i gave it a nine out of ten all right uh i will preface with i did really enjoy this issue because what i'm going to say might sound like i hated it i didn't i really liked it the art i thought was really good the story was interesting but i think they're lying to us See, and I've just realized this now while listening to your synopsis, Brandon, because even my notes, 
completely contradict everything I'm about to say. <laughs> he's not in the <laughs> multiverse. Oh, he's in, okay. He's in hell. Or in, in his own mind. Or limbo. That's interesting. No, I think specifically yeah. in it's, Afterlife. It's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say because I, I think I think right now the thing that is still kind of unclear is whether or not that final virus that Bruce uploaded into Failsafe actually worked. Because he, I think he seems to believe that it did, and his final wish was send me to a Gotham, or Failsafe's final gift of mercy or whatever, was send me to a Gotham that I can save, right? Which, you know, to a certain extent makes sense. That's the kind of thing that Batman would want to do. He would want to help wherever he could, but... By the same token, you could be right. It could be that the program just straight up didn't work and Batman is dead and he's in hell right now yeah. and all of this is just his purgatory or his version of hell or whatever. Yeah. So and and all, all that is based on the fact that like this this version of Gotham is pretty hellacious to begin with, with uh, mm-hmm. you know, the police force being burdened with villains being turned into judges that are laced with venom selena kyle is while she does know bruce wayne is a little bit more violent than usual even punchline is just roided out the man oh, yeah, the, the city's savior in halliday may or may not be the joker but even that is just like bruce saw the face there was a devious smile and he saw the joker maybe that's just in his mind and maybe it's because he's in hell yeah. right so like he's in this this gotham that you can save and yeah it's a pretty shitty gotham but it seems like Everywhere he turns, bad things are happening to him, and no matter what he does, he just gets shit on. The only saving grace was this one other person, in, and I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, that that uh, saved Jewel. him from the judge's last issue. Jewel, that's it, yeah. Um, and, come on, like, come on, Red Mask? Red Mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's either Jason yeah. Todd or a devil. <laughs> like, yeah. That's Which would at be least a little that's, clever that's what I'm it, getting. Yeah, if it was uh, if it was Jason, because I know I think pre crisis Jason had red hair, which would be yeah. kind of a fun callback. And Halliday here has like light brown or gingerish hair. Yeah, could be something there. Who knows? And if you look at the the pages with Red Mask talking to Dent, he mm-hmm. Dent was in his own chamber where he was having free reign to just kill people and it was this chamber with just a throne for Harvey Dent which I thought was kind of weird but mm. you know if if this version of Harvey Dent is a quote unquote demon lord or whatever then you know it's a throne of hell or, or something like there's some kind of imagery going on there's something hidden like mm. that just to me kind of screams Chip Zdarsky underlying tales and whatnot. I just there's something's not sitting right with me. <laughs> so Yeah, it could be. And also that bat at the end where Bruce says he's gonna become a bat, the shape of it kind of reminded me of Barbatos. Mm. So it could be. Yeah. Very well could be. I mean, that's this just thoughts I'm having. And Alfred. Well, so when you said it like that, what when you, when you led into it, what I'm thinking is Failsafe probably teleported him somewhere, and he's in, like, in stasis, 
and yeah. that's the programming that's been planted into his brain so he doesn't have anything any way to focus on how do i get home when he's got a purpose right in front of him this yeah. place won't that have a batman kind of every place needs a batman yeah the only thing with that is i feel like that's a, a, a that's been utilized that it's all like a matrix type simulation um and i i I don't know. I just I don't know that I would want to see that, that again. I mean, I feel like that's that's gotten a little a little tired. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, it was all a, a simulation. I'm getting flashbacks to. Um, do you remember nightmares from the Tom King run on Batman? Yeah. Where he was going through a nightmare scenario every single time, and then realized it was all just a simulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, there's a bad version yeah. of it, and then there's the good version of it, where it's like Betas. Like how they beat the censors, people could die and shit. But at the end, it was just a dream. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've never, I've never been entirely <laughs> sold on that concept where it's like, oh, it was all a dream. Because I feel like it lowers the stakes. When you're it not definitely really does. I'm not going to argue with that. But yeah, um, still a possibility anyway. of how this is he- of where this is headed. But uh, yeah, yeah. there are many possibilities. Yes. And speaking of multiple realities, oh, actually, oh, that's a good. Before, before we get into, into that, next... before before we get into that, sorry, I I just one more right. coup de gras on my theory, and oh. that's Alfred. All right. See, there, this Alfred is doing some some peculiar things that I'm picking up on, that makes me think like this this is the real Alfred. <laughs> this is this is the mm-hmm. Alfred whose neck was snapped by Bane. Well, why would why would Alfred? Okay, like you could make an argument for Bruce going to some place of punishment, but Alfred, what what would Alfred I, have done to deserve to end up in hell or wherever? That's where this theory gets kind of convoluted. Where this isn't necessarily an overall hell, but more a personal hell for Bruce. And Alfred was taken because he's in the afterlife. Alfred's in the afterlife. He's dead. And he was taken there. He doesn't necessarily know that he's dead. He's also being convinced that this is a, a Gotham. Like he has that whole mindset. He's he's married, possibly married to Leslie. They live in this hellscape of a world. But then he sees Bruce, and what piqued my curiosity on it is that panel where Alfred and Bruce lock eyes. Everyone else's face is just like kind of eh, whatever. But Alfred's is full of amazement and fear right where everyone else is just oh shit and then you know the knife falls to the ground and Alfred kind of puts his hand out but he hesitates like why am I doing this like <laughs> I think he recognizes Bruce but he doesn't know why so I, that's that's why I'm thinking this might be the real Alfred and if it is is this an, an opportunity for Alfred to come back which I to be honest, I kind of hope not. I wish this question would stop popping up every month. Just let it sit for a bit. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. That's that's my theory right now. Alfred's the big kicker right now for me. Or or they or Bruce is in heaven, and Bruce's idea of heaven is a city that needs a Batman. A city that needs oh, that a Batman. Could be too. He gets to he gets to start from from scratch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Like we're only thinking it's another universe because Bruce keeps telling us it's another universe. Yeah, but it's only another universe as far as he knows. Exactly. Like he wait, thinks you it's another know? universe. That's, so he's wait, saying, that's what I'm you just said. Universe. <laughs> 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 like Rob just said that, and you said the exact same thing. But it's you Bruce said like say, yeah, it's yeah, it is like you're, you're like um, yeah, it's 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 only the most. Versus far, yeah. As far as Bruce knows, it's only in the multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> he just said the same knows. thing. Oh my god! Yeah, hive mind. That's hive it. Mind. Okay. Oh. Anyway. Yes. So let's uh, let's let's break out of the, let's break out of the the multiverse into the multiverse a little bit. All right. Uh, with our our next and concluding story, this is our Tim Drake focused back. Up the toy box, also brought to us by Chip Zdarsky, with art from Miguel Mendoncha, colors from Roman Stevens or Roman Stevens, I'm not sure, and letters from Clayton's. Whoa, Clayton Cowles. Uh, a fairly brief one. Tim is recounting a time in Metropolis when Toy Man had gone on a rampage and is using some crazy technology that was turning people into toys. Seemingly, only they realized recently that um, some of these people that had been seemingly turned into toys were not actually turned into toys, but were in fact replaced with toy versions from a never say toy that many times in a single sentence. Uh, Tim Drake is working with Michael Holt, a.k.a. Mr. Terrific, to try and locate the source of where this may be coming from. And thankfully, Holt, being the genius that he is, basically says, I'll be able to figure out the location in a day. Just let me know, and uh, or just keep me updated, and uh, I'll be able to send you on your way, which gives Tim just enough time to catch up with Bernard um, and one page, making his way to whatever multiversal device um, Holt has cooked up that will basically allow him to go to the location that he thinks may uh, be housing Bruce Wayne, or at the very least has Toy Man there. Uh, Tim goes on his excursion in a very cool-looking suit, I might add, and lands in the universe, tracking the location to a strange but also normal-looking shack where he discovers all the people that had gone missing in Metropolis, but before he can do any kind of uh, work to try and save them, he is ambushed by Toy Man and the rest of his toy people. Um, solid one. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have like a ton to say about it. Other than, I think I was here when you guys talked about Batman 131, but one of the things that I... One of the things that I was a little worried about with a story like this is it's a little derivative because we've seen Tim be on the hunt for a quote-unquote dead Bruce Wayne before who is actually not dead. Anyone who read the Red Robin series knows that. Anyone who's reading the, um, what was it, The Return of Bruce Wayne um, knows that. So this is not a new, new angle for Tim. So in, in one way, it makes sense that he's the character for this story, but another one, I'm kind of like, oh my God, this again? Um, so... It's fun and it's nice, but I'm I'm kind of just like, all right. When Tim eventually finds him, and we all know he will, we all know he will eventually find him. I will hold my final judgment for the story then. But right now, I'm kind of just like, 
eh, I'm kind of just up in the air. But aside from that, it's it's fine. It's a serviceable story, I suppose. So I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. But I feel like that's not even really that's not indicative of my final score for this story, which is basically I don't know. I just kind of have to wait and see until it's all over. The art is nice, though. Can't really complain about that. Yeah, the, the art is quite good. Uh, this this one's just kind of weird, to be honest with you. It's uh, I see where they're going with it uh, to tie it into the main story, but it is just really weird <laughs> to say that. But it's Toy Man, so it's going to be weird. It, I think that's it's just par for the course for Winslow Shot. So I'm all for it. Overall, with the issue, I gave an eight point seven five out of ten. Quite enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it was an okay story in the back. I don't have any real problems with it. Uh, you could say that suit he wore was uh, pretty terrific looking, but uh, yeah. Yeah. but uh, you knew that was there coming. Rob, deal with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Glad you got it out of your system sooner rather than later. I waited quite the long time for that, but um, yeah, I mean, enough. I thought it was. I, I thought it was all right, the the backup story. The first story, um, him getting to be a completely different Batman, it'll be interesting to see how they make it make it work. With Zdarsky at the wheel, I'm, I'm happy with it. And it looks like, I mean, he's hurt and he's stripping balls, so, and, and he's got no weapons, so let's see what kind of Batman he can scrounge up. I gave the whole issue a 9 out of 10. Right on. That's what I said. Yeah. Like when I All read right. it. So with That's that. That's why I got a nine. We... <laughs> All right. So we are moving on from Batman to a Batman villain. Uh, it's hard to really tell these days, but it's Poison Ivy number nine. And Josh is going to tell us about that. I am. Written by Gloria's Willow Wilson. Art from Marcio Takara, colors from Arif Prianto, letters Hassan Atsmane El Hao, and another gorgeous cover from Jessica Fong, uh, on fire with every single cover in the whole run. Speaking of the cover, it kind of uh, looks like Ivy and Harley are about to go on a, tri- uh, on a trip um, about to Lady and Tramp a Mushroom. So the, the book is... Ivy is sitting out enjoying the solitude of where she has set up home um, with her roommate Janet and um, as she walks back into her house Harley shows up and says I got your letters and Ivy dives in for a kiss. Janice, Ivy's roommate is left hanging when Ivy and Harley go darting out the door to bang and uh, that's exactly what they do after Afterward, during some post-coil to cutting, cuddling, uh, Harley says that she wants some of the Lumia fungus. Uh, Ivy reluctantly gives her some, and now Harley gets the trip balls and see that the world uh, see the world that uh, the way that Ivy sees it. So there's a lot of hallucinogens going on this week in DC Comics. I wonder what's going on in the offices of DC Comics. Everybody's microdosing, man. But I think I think that's also a callback, which I will get into later when you finish reviewing. It's a, a fun Swamp Thing callback, Ooh. and I'm wondering if anyone else caught that. 
oh, wait. Yeah, anyway. Um, so uh, she gets to see the, uh, the world the way Ivy sees it. And uh, she gets done. She wants more of it, of course, after Trev wears off. Uh, they talk about Ivy using the spores to boost her powers uh, to be what they used to be. And Harvey, uh, Harvey, Harley uh, tells her that she already has her full powers, shows her what she's done in the trail that she's left behind on her journey to where she is now, and that she just needs to let him grow like a plant. Ivy thinks that's a really good idea. Later on, Harley needs to get back to Gotham, both asking the other one to move. Uh, Harley makes a compelling argument, and Ivy decides that Harley is right and that she wants to be with Harley. So she takes off after. The art is spot on in most places. There were a, there were a couple panels that could have been better, including the very first one. That hair looks bad. Uh, but the rest is is pretty good. The story is great, and I love the way that they worked Harley into the story, the way that they did it. It wasn't some grand runaway whole issue of them being silly. This was just done so well. Um, I love the way they did it. I love how it looked. Harley getting on Pam's level with the green and the way that her mind works, being able to handle what she's seeing. Um, I love this issue, even if there were a few pretty flawed panels, um, which is pretty rare, by the way. Uh, I gave this a 9 out of 10. It, I just This is just top of the game. As far as series go. Yeah, I think this is a... Oh, yeah, no, I think this has probably been my favorite issue um, since the series has been extended to, to 12 or ongoing. I don't even really know, but... Um, you know, the fracking issues were kind of fun, but I think this is the one that really kind of pulled me back in because it, it kind of, I mean, you know, it's a nice way to highlight Harley and Ivy's relationship, which is always good, but it definitely felt like a more personal-focused story um, as opposed to dealing with the Lamia plot. Um, and again, I, I think it was a callback. My guess is it may be, I don't know how well G. Will Wilson does her DC history, but there's an issue of Swamp Thing. I want to say it's issue 36. Um, it might be a little bit later, but it's it's a famous, inf- whoa, famous issue. I can't talk today um, because it's the one where basically Swampy um, in all of his good-hearted nature gives Abby Arcane uh, this like, beat I think it is um, which actually that's a recurring thing later but he gives her a beat and basically um, allows her to see the green as Alec can see the green and it is one of the trippiest if not the trippiest issues I've ever read it has like it's it's famous for like these seven or eight pages which are all double page spreads and apparently they were inspired by an acid trip that Alan Moore took which again I don't know if that's true but Supposedly, John uh, Tottleben drew influence from that. My guess is it is true. I have no reason to doubt it. But anyway, that's yeah. an issue where Alec, with his significant other, um, allows her to see what the green is really like. And I, I think that's my guess is that is might be would have no, inspired I, I this, or it it's up, just a I weird coincidence. Right. But yeah, that that would be my guess because it was like the way that they framed it was like exactly the same. And I was like, oh, that's a fun callback. Um, but, um, yeah, no, so that was fun. Um, but, yeah, I think easily my uh, my favorite issue, um, actually, it might be issue 34. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Anyway, point is, 
probably my favorite issue uh, of Poison Ivy since it's been extended and uh, looking forward to seeing um, how Ivy gets back to Gotham, but also how she kind of ties together everything she's been doing with her little uh, cross-country or Pacific Northwest trip, however you want to define it, Uh, vacation slash mission, whatever. Uh, So this one got an 8.5 out of 10 for me. And I'm confirming with the DC fandom wiki right now, it is issue 34. So Swamp Thing issue 34. If you want to feel like you're tripping balls, go read that issue. It's a a time and a half and a half and a half and a half. Right. It's like Jock drawing art for people he knows are going to be tripping on acid. It's more than that. (laughs) It's like, uh, it's, it's like... It's like Bernie Wrightson and Jim Starlin had an acid baby, and this acid baby took a ton of LSD, and that's the that's like the the last, you know, eight pages or so. Like it's it's yeah, it's it's imagery that uh, I didn't even think could be rendered in a comic book. Um, but it is. But uh, yeah, and done wonderfully. I think if you're a I think if you're a DC Comics fan, you've you you've seen that before. Yeah, you've probably if you haven't read this issue, you've probably seen some of these panels before. You know, usually out of context, like oh look when Swamp Thing was tripping balls, and it's like well, there's a little bit more to it than that. But um, right. yeah, no, you've probably seen these pictures before. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I appreciate about it is that they even though it was done briefly. It makes sense for the characters where Abby Arcane was able to, you know, enter and see the green because of who she was. Um, Harley's able to do it because of, because her mind works in the way that it in the way that it does, which I not sure how to quite describe that. But I think I think it's safe to say everybody knows that Harley Harley's brain works a little differently than most people's and. That's what allows her to go past it. It's a little bit of a weak explanation, but at least we got one, and and that I'm okay with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's sorry. What what were you just saying? <laughs> I heard it, but I didn't absorb it about Harley and Ivy. Me. Yeah. Oh, I was saying that, like, with Abby Arcane, um, uh, she was able to see what Alec could see because of who she was. Well, Ivy, or excuse me, Harley isn't related to the Green in any way, shape, or form, but her, to to, to say it quicker, um, her brain just works a little differently than everybody else's. And that, mm-hmm. you know, as weak as that explanation is, at least we got an explanation as to why she was able to see the green without losing her mind. Okay, right on. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely see that. Yeah, it's, it's great to see uh, ideas like that spill over. And if I, if I can even add to that, I do love a Harley Quinn story where they show off and remind us that she also has a PhD in psychiatry. And... Mm-hmm. She she shows that when talking to uh, Ivy during this, um, so she's got a strong mind. She's definitely got a she's a very smart person. Uh, she may act crazy most of the time, but she can she she can basically run a psych uh, psychiatric business for superheroes. Like <laughs> I I wouldn't mind seeing an issue of that one day. Um, 
I think Beautiful the best issue. way to describe her mental state is unconventional chaos. I like it. I think <laughs> yeah. it might not or, be dead on, but that works. Yeah, it's it's way closer than uh, insufficient Rob. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> unconventional <laughs> chaos is good. Uh, it's a beautiful issue, though. The art is fantastic. Um, I agree. Easily one of my favorite issues of the run, if not of, not, not necessarily of all time, but maybe of, of Harley and Ivy together. Uh, I do love Harley trying to find uh, her phone and just pulling out all sorts of weird shit, like a gavel for some reason, but we don't know why because it's supposed <laughs> it's to be like private. Your, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we got a classic Harley, you know, in, yeah. in, in both 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 sides of her personality and that that's what makes it work here really well it's fantastic that's well written well drawn what's not to love Uh, it's a nine out of ten fantastic all right and with that we're going to speed on over to our last issue of the week and that is the flash number 792 and that is written issues by none other oh yeah till number 800 it's gonna be a big one uh so this is written by none other than jeremy adams with pencils from roger cruz inks from wellington ds colors from luis guerrero letters from rob lee and a cover a gorgeous cover from torin clark so we open up on barry kneeling over iris uh who we still don't know may or may not be dead but for the time being she is uh, Wally comes to get him and says, "Like we need to start planning." Um, I know it's it's hard, but we need to figure this out because time is at a standstill. So <laughs> let's go stop the fraction. Uh, so the adults all stand around a table, looking at a map as Jay basically lays down the ideas that are at play and figuring out what they need to do next. While Ace and Bart are, and yeah, I am going to call him Don't Ace call for now because they, they keep calling him Ace, so it's stuck in my head. <laughs> um, that's the only name yuck. he's ever given in this issue is Ace, not Wallace. Uh, so I think they're trying to push that very hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, well. so Ace and Bart, while listening, uh, Bart then has an idea and speeds off, and Ace quickly follows while absolutely none of the six adults notice what the hell <laughs> it's it's not it's not it's not 6 p.m. so the commercial hasn't come on yet <laughs> do you know what your children are nah they're they're uh-huh. outside <laughs> somewhere they got yeah. cell phones and gps yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that commercial will never exist again <laughs> Mm-mm. Oh man! And what bugs me is that two of two of these six adults are parents of superpowered children. You'd think they'd know to pay more attention to the kids in the room, right? Especially, Especially when one of those kids is literally right. called Impulse. Yeah, right? like, <laughs> yeah. You might think he might be a little, you know, impulsive. No, he's got a good head on his shoulders. What do you mean? I know, I know. There's a bit of regret around here for naming Dash his name. No, <laughs> he's always was, dashing uh, around. Yeah, 
Because he's he's really short, and my God, he never stops. He's high speed. Like he's, like he if I I would like he needs to be he could be another speedster like velocity or some shit like that. I don't know. Wasn't <laughs> wasn't the kid in the Incredibles called Dash, and he was the he speedster? Was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make you Mr. Incredible? Uh nope. I don't have the uh, I don't have the tiny waist for it. <laughs> Skip leg day constantly. <laughs> oh I've seen bodybuilds like that where it's all upper body and nothing else really weird. Yep. That's very strange. Have you, have you not tip it. over? <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so Bart is racing off to Parts Unknown, and Ace quickly follows, stops him, and uh, they try to figure out, or as Ace tries to figure out what the hell it is Bart's planning, but he just runs off and doesn't tell him. Um, except yeah. for the idea of, I'm going to get, Barry needs a car, I'm going to get him a car. Uh, so then we see the <clears throat> the Fraction, where the lead uh, general, I, I, the admiral, I don't remember if he was actually named or not, um, is a little pissed off that they cannot find these mysterious speedsters that they call the organics. And Miss Murder is out on the hunt as well. Uh, call her what her name really is. <laughs> Miss Martian who laughs. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, that, Please, I mean, that's exactly no. who this character is. It certainly looks like it. Honestly, though, with the costume and the hair, it like a really fucked up version of Storm. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is the white mohawk. I don't know. Yeah, it's just I, I need to know the backstory of this character. <laughs> this this is one where like it it would help. Uh, all right, so Ace and Bart have finally arrived to. Oh, and she owns my thought. Sorry. And said, and she hunts by thought. That's it's got to yeah. be Miss Martian. Now that you mention it, yeah, could actually be a Martian. Hmm, interesting. All uh, right, so they come across one of the fraction's tanks, uh, and in true Bart Allen fashion, he just makes an impulsive decision and runs right into the tank, leaving Ace to follow him. Uh, meanwhile, the adults are arriving at their new base of operations, which. Uh, Wally has uh, pointed out that it would be a great place to stage their operation, which is none other than Mr. Terrific's laboratory. They get inside Naturally. and everybody sees what Wally is dealing with on a daily basis. It's a massive laboratory and it is gorgeous. And finally, Max Mercury realizes Bart's not there because they, they decide they're all going to split up and do things. And Max says, I'll take Bart. And hey, he's not here. Yeah, they finally, y'all walked all this way here, carrying two people, and not one of you thought Bart's not here. Neither is Ace. Okay, so Bart's not here, man. Yeah, <laughs> don't have Cal, man. I guess that's kind of fitting for the Flash family. Max really is the only one that kind of pays attention to Bart. Everyone's just like, Ugh. you say that. Well, he was always right. like that. But it still took yeah. him twenty minutes. <laughs> I know. And a yeah. Whole other well, section of look, the city. <laughs> let me let me put it let me put it this way: If Max had noticed, no one probably would have. They would have just showed up, and he would have been like, "Oh, you were gone. I didn't yeah. even know." 
like Wally would have just okay, Bart, you're doing this, Ace, you're doing this, and they go off realize not even realizing. Yeah. yeah. And um, a line that as I was reading it, I thought was really cool to see because a good idea, and I and I can completely understand why some people might think it's a stupid line. Uh, Wally goes, "Oh, snargle burgle." And you might think, yeah, what, what the hell? That's cringe. Now, there's a reason. I At first, I was like, uh, but then I thought about it. Like, uh, Wally normally, like, he'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake, right? He'd, he'd, he'd do something adultish with it. He'd swear or something. But his daughter's right next to him. So he can't necessarily. Yeah. He's doing the dad thing, you know, where, like, he's going to Snuggle-bark. curse. But he's gonna do it in a cute way. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't think right. of it like that, but I was. Yeah. Like, oh, we, God. Plus, I, I think because I'm so used I did to my... the same thing. Yeah. Oh God, too, Brandon. But yeah. I've got. I when I'm ready to cut loose and when I just need to rip off a bunch of cuss words, I usually say instead when the kids are around, "Great googly moogly," and now they've started saying that. So there you go. Uh, it, it Which is, is, yeah. is pretty I mean, close as ridiculous as it sounds. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you you kind of, if your kids are around, you can't just, like, son of a bitch, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, know? I guess, I guess not. Okay. Yeah. So that, that might dark, put, a, put a bit of perspective for anybody out there who man. saw that and just, yeah, oh, buddy. <laughs> You've got so much to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Like, for anybody yeah, out there that saw that panel and thought, oh, God, not again. Like no, that's there's there's a clear reason why he says that, and I I kind of appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I think maybe it would have worked a little bit better if Wally had like if there's a panel where Wally looks over at Iray and then looks back and he's like oh peanuts or something like that. Yeah, just so it's communicated a little bit better. But yeah, I, I I didn't think of it like that, and that makes more sense. Yeah, the only reason the only thing that made me think of it, it was the oh dot dot dot. Like he was gonna say, oh shit, but then like you realize he can't. Like, oh Snargobart. Yeah. Yeah, come on, Wally. Not around the kids. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. Like it would have been a bit more like it could have been presented better if Irie was in the panel or something and Wally just like yeah. glanced at her. Yeah. But at least I so could be just even be wrong. Some dad knowledge. But that's that's just how I took it. I hope All right, so, so back right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, we're facing another ducktail scenario, and we don't need another one of those. We do not need another ducktail no. scenario. So <laughs> this is not as bad as ducktails. Yeah. Stupid. All right. So, so back at the um, fraction compound, Bart and Ace have uh, ridden that tank all the way inside, where uh, they've boldly gone where no speedster has gone before, uh, willingly. Uh, and as they sneak in. They are kind of running around, uh, no pun intended, uh, all stealth-like and trying not to be seen. And they come across what feels and looks and sounds like a a battery of some kind, or at least that's what Bart says it is, and then says, we should take it, because he's just all about the impulsive decisions. I love it. And Ace uh, understandably goes, what? (laughs) Are you crazy? (laughs) Are you snargle-bargle stupid? So... (laughs) They uh, they take the battery and uh, an alarm goes off, <laughs> alerting the. the Imagine command. that. So, yeah, like, he guess? goes something to the effect of, uh, 
like some like one of our power supplies just went off. Like he's not sure if he he should even go look at it. Yeah. Like, is, is this <laughs> like, a what, is this a problem? <laughs> yeah. So uh, then we see Bart and Ace running with a giant freaking battery. Uh, but they are found by some people, and uh, Bart, with some quick thinking, <laughs> another funny one, uh, says, use the, the battery's battering ram, and even the two guards and Ace Gall go, what? That was fantastic. This this whole this whole <laughs> yeah. sequence just great to me. What did you say? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so the what? battery... Can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> As the guards go, snark, Bart. Do you yeah, speak so... English... <laughs> say what again <laughs> yeah. yeah so the the battery understandably after being used as a blunt force object cracks open because that's what batteries are used for and inside is a human being so the fuck um <laughs> the human then wakes up and Bart and Ace realize the okay ideas. they need to get out of there now because Miss Murder shows up that hit song by AFI and uh, realize oh, no. that because she is psychically uh, attacking them, uh, if they think it, she can feel it, and she knows it's coming. So Bart does what he does best: don't think, just act, and it works. Uh, they slide under her, get away. Uh, as they try to make it back to the tank to get out, the admiral is there with some guards, so they begin to shoot. But then Bart quickly thinks, and the two alien dogs get hit instead they get in a tank steal it and then shoot miss murder in the face uh oh no in the back i thought it was the face and then escape and as wally and bart are wally and max are beginning to look for the two boys they arrive in the tank with this new human who possibly recognizes Wally for some reason. That was kind of curious to me. I'm very interested to see who this person is and where that's going to go. I have uh, an idea. Oh, I I had a hinting of an idea, but I didn't quite get it, so I'm mm -hmm. excited to hear what you have to say. And as they uh, take a look at the tank, the two boys proud of their accomplishments, uh, they open the back, Look in the trunk, and there's none other than Frozen in Time, Gorilla Grodd, Superman, and Captain Adam. Uh, so, <laughs> Wally says the same thing we were all thinking. I was not expecting that. So, yeah. that is the third part of the One Minute War. Really fun issue. Honestly, this whole event so far has been great to read. I love seeing Bart being Bart. Uh, I think he and Ace make a great team. But Agreed. the big question on my mind right now, and Josh, if you if you have an inkling, and Brandon, I'm curious if you do too, who is that person they saved in that battery? Who the hell is it? Some random speedster from another place, and what they're doing is using speedsters like, like batteries like the robots did in the Matrix, basically. That is what I am assuming. I think, and this is just completely out there but it, I just got the idea because of the Flash one minute war special from last week I think it was um, and that was that this speedster this conduit might be someone from the future and somehow the fraction was able um, to I don't know I guess travel through time in some way um, and kidnap some speedsters in the future potentially and this is one of them 
to yeah. use them as a bad battery like yeah, the robots exactly. in the Matrix. Yeah. I like both ideas. I don't know, just like my my whole idea was stupid, like that there's some other speedster from Earth and that they're this person. But this is the first time the fractions come to Earth, supposedly, so yeah. how could that be? So <laughs> Yeah. I was just really curious how this person almost recognized Wally or maybe just recognized the Flash, or maybe it was just like you're you're who? Tell me who who are you? <laughs> yeah. Is that one guy? I don't know. Uh it's interesting to see there's a lot more to come i'm loving it nine out of ten the art's really good the story's fun check this out yeah still super fun i pretty much echo everything rob said still super fun love seeing bart and ace interact they're such a great team um and i love the moment of i guess like recognition at the end where ace kind of stands up for bart even though they've been giving each other a little bit of shit previously but now they're they're really kind of bros and i i liked that um and uh, yeah interested to see what the mystery is with this human conduit how they're gonna bring down the fraction just a lot of good stuff going on so this one got to an 8.75 out of 10 for me so this one might come across as a little unexpected um got a couple of things to say basically in just one sentence um, a piece uh, poor Iris I mean is she dead is she unconscious like in a coma um, not sure uh, t- so that's an interesting story plot that was that was a positive Barry burying himself in hero stuff I mean I guess that's just to be expected um, Impulse doing his best thinking without thinking at all that is awesome Yeah. Definitely. Miss Murder being uh, Miss Martian who laughs, not awesome. Using speeders exactly like they did in the Matrix, not awesome. And finding Superman, Captain Adam, and Gorilla Grodd in the back of that truck, not awesome. Um, it was a pretty fun story, basically outlining, to me anyway, a new buddy cop thing between Wallace and uh, Bart. Uh, But I really hope that Superman, Captain Adam, and Grodd don't figure into the conclusion of this at all, because it's been a speedster arc. It should end a speedster arc. They should be able to wrap it up without any help from those guys. The art was good, although not the quality that I'm used to seeing in this book, which was kind of an unexpected letdown. Overall, I thought it was okay, um, but mostly just a little bit better than average. This Flash got a 7.25 out of 10 for me. Well, damn. Well, you can't win them all, I suppose. Hopefully, the rest of the story is better for you. And I'm hoping the rest of the story is still good. Just don't like this is this is a the first I think big story arc for the Flash, if I remember right, since Jeremy Adams took over. Sort of, yeah, I yeah. Mean, not kind of the Gemworld stuff. No, I mean like that. That would have I would have considered just like a regular story arc, and this one being like like a big Flash event kind of deal, yeah. multi part, 
uh, weekly even schedule. Like it's it feels like a big story for them. So stick the landing. Uh, you've been doing good so far. Don't Williamson this. Yeah, and don't yes. don't 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 please don't have Superman uh, be the reason why this is able to go away. Have the have the speedsters fix it. Oh, yeah. I doubt awesome. it. Yeah, I get the feeling it's yeah. going to be still very Flash centric. Yeah, like Superman's still like he's frozen in time, like Grodd and Captain yeah. Adam. Like they just seem to be. Well, does Captain Adam have any kind of like super speed? No. He can manipulate atoms. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He can. He can do some kind of molecular shit like i can't remember right off the top of my head i think head, he can manipulate say... atomic structure but i yeah. don't um and then has like you know plasma blast whatever the hell yeah science he's got the with that but and blast yeah. but yeah i know um, he does some kind of firestormy shit right. it's alchemy it's all alchemy yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the atomic manipulation i think so with those three in the back of the truck, though, like it definitely feels like they those three were taken for their specific power sets. Like with Superman, he's he's a solar battery himself, and he can speed around at high speeds, um, sometimes even rivaling uh, various flashes. So right, so I like I can like, see he the was things. Taken. Yeah, like Captain yeah, Adam another like energy source and Grodd has had connections to the speed force in the past and I think even currently is kind of connected to the speed force so another battery so I can I, I see why these three were taken now I just don't want them unfrozen I don't want them thawed out <laughs> no no I don't think they'll be unfrozen for sure I hope I this is very much a Flash family thing I was hoping to see Avery show up but I think she's busy with her own stuff yeah well we saw her in the special but um, yeah yeah and it looked like she was was busy doing that thing i just i just hope avery shows up in this because i would love to see avery team up with the entire flash family i think that'd be really cool all right for a while any last minute thoughts are we all good not on the flash not this time all right, so with that, we are going to get into our top three books of the week and favorite moment, if you have one. Who wants to start us off? I can go ahead and do that. Um, at number three, I gave it to Monkey Prince. Number two, Poison Ivy. Number one, I gave it to Batman. All three titles are awesome this week. And then uh, my favorite moment, um, I'm going to steal Brandon's. Uh but I've got a backup. <laughs> so, you know what? I won't steal Brandon's, but I think I know what Brandon's oh, well, is. Well, now I'm he... curious. Well, I kind of want to know what you, you think mine was. When Kid Flash asked Input, what's the plan? Oh, yeah. That actually wasn't mine, but... Oh, okay. Uh, that, that was a good one. <laughs> Impulse says back, you do understand why they call me Impulse, right? Yeah. Um, that was pretty good. But then uh, there was also a good moment in Poison Ivy where... Uh, uh, Ivy is asking Harley, uh, a bird may love a fish, but where would they live? And Harley replies, the answer to your question is penguins. 
and penguins live in Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes some kind of I sense, that, I'm sure. Yeah. In a Harley sort of way. So I thought I thought that was a pretty cool moment in, in the books too. Mm-hmm. All right. Brandon. What All about right. you guys? Yeah. Uh, well, at number three, I had Batman 132. At number two, I had Poison Ivy number nine. And at number one, I had to give it to Flash 792. Just a really fun and uh, and great issue. Um, but uh, no, my favorite moment, it was not the one that, that you thought it was, Josh, but it was something similar, um, which is there's a, a panel where they're crawling um, into the Fraction's base and... Ace says, what are you doing? And Bart replies, I have no idea. Isn't it great? <laughs> that, was just, that was so great. That was so great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like just with a very straight face. Like, yeah. I, I, isn't it great? Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of uh, fun moments between the two in this issue. Yeah. It would be interesting know. to see a team where both of them are on it together. And while it may seem odd that uh, to have two speedsters on a team, I think that these guys complement each other so well, like as a pair, that they could easily go out and, and do a shit ton of missions together, you know? Well, what if I told you two speedsters on a team already happened in <laughs> Teen Titans? With two speedsters that I just remembered existed, and I don't think many people do remember exist. With Mazi Menos. Oh, that's true. Technically. Yeah. But I think I they had to like, they had to like hold they had to have contact with each other to have the speed. Yeah. So they had to be together, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. but it was two of them. So maybe if this second young justice pops up, we'll have like Wallace and Impulse together. <laughs> I would yeah. be so down for that. I, I think it would be cool. Yeah. Let's have Wallace and Impulse and Sideways and Red Canary and uh, um, Hell Star Girl is going to need a team. Yeah. I will say if if potentially graduating to another team, I feel like it would be kind of unfair if Bart couldn't graduate too because he's of that same gender. So I, I, I would hold off on putting him back on Young Justice if we're doing a team of you know, primarily new, younger characters, even if he is still pretty impulsive. I mean, your favorite moment says, yeah, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, I, I just, I, I feel like if, if we're going to take that generation of, of Titans and graduate them with Tim and Connor and Cap, as you can, why does he get held back a great? Well, sometimes it's about, you know, it's about the spirit of class. kids are special. No, no. <laughs> hey, oh, that would be that would be so mean. That's like that's like if I don't know if you had the original Teen Titans like Roy and and Donna and Dick and Garth and the rest of them, and all of them went on to join the Justice League or something, and then Roy's like, "Oh, do I get to join too?" And he's like, "Oh, uh, bad news." But no. No, the last Archie we had, he was a little, a little iffy. Yeah, no. Like your your grades that. weren't where they needed you to be. Um, <laughs> right. I'm so fucked up. Yeah. You got poor know, marks from Ollie, and he's got pretty low standards. 
<laughs> but, but it's, it's about it's about the spirit of the team. It's if we don't all graduate, then none of us graduate. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's about it's about solidarity. Nope. Arsenal needs to be on the Outlaws team with Jason Hood. Jason Hood, Jesus Christ, Jason, Jason Todd, <laughs> Red Todd, Red Todd. No, that don't sound I, good. Speaking of archers, though, uh, if if we are doing this this new Young Justice team. Um, Crazy. Let's let's have Red Arrow in it. Um, Emiko. Red Arrow, Red Canary. Yeah, Red Arrow, Red Canary, Sideways, Kid Flash, Ace. I'm still rooting for Impulse as Bart. He could be team leader. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> team leader. I don't know if he's ready to but, be a leader, but I also don't think he should be. You know, well, actually, he'd have idea. the seniority. It'd be interesting. He'd be the yeah, longest maybe. running hero. And he'd be the yeah. Young Justice Co- Legacy. He'd be like, hey, I was on, I was a founding member of Young Justice. Dana. Y'all gonna listen to me? It's like they had, um, I think very briefly, they had uh, Beast Boy and the Titans. I, oh my god. I want to say that was like towards the, or he might have been like co-leading it with uh, with Wonder Girl. I don't remember exactly, but it could it could be like that. You know, the most Co-leading it with Damien. Hear me uh, out, because it doesn't sound like the greatest idea, but Damien would not be able to see where Impulse was coming from um, because of his inability to plan. Because of, I because think Damien would try to kill Impulse after about two missions. And <laughs> well, then, but, yeah, okay, so I'm thinking, hopefully, which is funny, actually, because I think Lazarus, yeah, no, well, I, wait, actually, Damien that's, comes that's, way more no, 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 that's. That's that's not entirely true because he was, well, uh, this is assuming I remember this, but there was a brief period where Damien was right before the flashpoint, and it was him with, um, it was basically the the O three Titans roster, but they were, you know, had matured a little bit more, so it was him and um, Bard as Kid Flash and Connor as Superboy, Cassie as Wonder Girl and Raven, and I think Beast Boy, um, and. It was like just. I mean, this is the the era of early Damien, so he's just a total brat. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe he'd be different now. Maybe he could appreciate impulse a little bit more. I don't know, maybe. but I I get the feeling that after him. after about two missions, he'd be like, I'm I need to fucking leave. I can't do this. <laughs> he he has grown a lot over the past couple of years. So that is true. Yeah, I'll give yeah. him credit. And he's probably going to grow through, a, you know, hopefully he'll grow a bit more after this Lazarus planet shit is done. Yeah. Oh, I think if, if Damien shows up, Ace and Emiko are leading mm-hmm. after what happened last I mean, time. maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, at the end of the day, whatever story gets me to read Ace and Emiko rekindling their relationship, I'm all for it. They teased that yeah. for like a year and a half. Things? And are we never... are we are we done? <laughs> did we finish this episode? Or are we just gonna we just gonna keep going on our little? No, nope, we didn't finish the episode. I'm having yet. fun. Yeah, <laughs> we just like, I, I we just, like totally lost three. the plot. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we just went on a tangent for like five minutes. <laughs> I was like, are we are we done? <laughs> did we even finish? No. Okay. Okay. But no more tangents right um, now. Um. 
yeah, we'll do fun. we'll do one after if we want to do a tangent after the biggest thinker. So <laughs> my top three. Yeah. Uh, number three, I had Monkey Prince. Number two, I had Poison Ivy. And number one, I had The Flash. And I had a couple of favorite moments. Uh, but my my top favorite moment, I couldn't really pick one, which is anytime Bart was being an impulsive and staying true to his namesake. Uh, but if I'm being uh, open about it, also, like I mentioned earlier with our Poison Ivy review, Harley trying to find her phone and just pulling out random shit. And even the things that she was throwing <laughs> away were like, what the fuck? Yeah. That was, that was supposed to be private. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I want to know why, why was that supposed to be? It was a gavel. Why is that private? Right. I don't think we're supposed yeah. to know, Just man. <laughs> okay, so that was our favorite moment. It's time for your favorite moment. It is the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. I think we might have all had different ones this week, but for me, it was Lazarus Planet Next Evolution. It's kind of yeah, boring. I would agree. Again, I wouldn't say it's a stinker, at least not for me. No. But definitely the weakest issue this week. Yeah. I would Out almost say it was ones. a stinker just because like it there was there was nothing exciting about it. Like yeah. some interesting stuff, but nothing of substance. Yeah. Well, yeah. Out of the main ones, out of the ones that we reviewed on the show, that was my least favorite one. Um. It, I scored it a little bit higher than the Flash, but that's only be, the the Flash only lost those points because of the loss in art quality to me due to the team change. Um, but my biggest stinker this week is going to go to Gotham City Year One. It's it's just bad, and um, I mean if it's a detective story and it's it's not got Brandon itching to get into it, then it's not going to. Oh be no, good. I. Absolutely loved this issue. I just have nothing to say because I don't want to lead to an argument. Because oh. we gotta wrap up the show. <laughs> no, I'm, I've been keeping right. up with every issue. I've, I've been loving it so far. Okay, I was gonna say that I thought it was kind of odd that you've stayed quiet through every one of my "don't buy this." Is but um, I, I just have nothing to gonna, add. He's like, I'm not gonna fight with you. I got you. It's yeah. Tom King. Um, <sighs> but uh, yeah, that 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 that's my uh, that's my biggest thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, before we close out, any tangents we want to go on? (laughs) If we're redrafting teams, I want Arsenal and Red Hood on a team. I think think Roy needs to be doing a little bit more than fooling around with Jason. He's been through a lot. I think he needs to be either with his his friends the titans or something something a little bit more than that you know he had his time as an outlaw now it's time to step into the light a little bit more he's been through some, some serious rough times with heroes and crisis and everything so i think it's yeah. I think it's time plus him and jason are on such different paths right now it's it would be hard to bring them together again they're both oh, trying speak, to get their shit together what what i came across when i was going through my dad's old comics club? last week uh, was the rise of Arsenal story that four part during that that Ooh. I think it was James Robinson Jace Justice League. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Yeah, and and with the uh, the revelation that Leanne was killed during the yeah. fall of Star City. Yeah, that 
Yep. That was heartbreaking, man. But now, like, not good. We're going to get reparations on that soon. Like, it's it's going to be fixed because yeah, Roy's back. He's back in full form, and Leanne is alive, and he knows that. And sake, DC. It's been like three years. Just let them meet already. How long is it gonna take? (laughs) I'm just gonna have to wait until Green Arrow to figure it out. On sale in April 2023. And Cheshire (laughs) should know that that her daughter is in Gotham because she was in Catwoman. So Uh, I just really need to see that happen. Especially after finding that issue. Royer on the rocks again or whatever their yeah. relationship is like. So even if she did know, she's probably not going to tell him. It's like, yeah, fuck yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, fuck him. I mean, that's what got them <laughs> in this mess in the first place. Yeah. Don't fuck him. They should know better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tell me your high school didn't have a health class. You know what causes this. <laughs> <laughs> they did I just didn't pay attention <laughs> condom the fuck's a condom yeah I don't know what that I don't know what that word means uh, condom alright condiment king because I know what that is I know who that is but I don't know any other word related to that I think being condiment king is its own Form of birth control. Yeah. (laughs) I can only imagine. That's all it needs. (laughs) Hey, baby, I'm the condiment king. Gross. Get away from me. That's so gross. Yeah. That's so gross. I don't want to end the show. Could you imagine trying to work (laughs) mustard and ketchup? Could you imagine trying to work mustard and ketchup in the dirty top? The sad part is I can, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Going to Dijon all over you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Stop it, Rob. Don't get weird. I <laughs> did be nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of dirty talk, uh, I meant to say earlier, Brandon, when, when, I, when I said the tag team thing, are you sure I'm watching a lot of wrestling, but that's what was on my mind. I was surprised you went the way you uh, did. Yeah, well, I'm just, I have a filthy mind, I guess. Filthy enough. pervert. <laughs> Dirty animals. All right, guys. I All suppose right. it's time for us to hop off here so I can I go see, yeah. kiss yes. kids goodnight. Yeah. This is going on too long yeah so that's our show <laughs> nonsense remember you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash nar podcasts check us out on twitter at not a robot comics instagram at nar comic books and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews articles and more and check out our sister podcast brother podcast sibling podcast screens and as always there's only one way we say goodbye around here until next time be good to each other And don't be a robot. Remember to come back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. I'll have to double check. All right. It's towards the end of the month. 
might be finicky, finicky for me to do two shows because that I have the week off, but that's the week of Angela's 30th birthday, so we're doing a couple bunch of shit. Fun times. Are all the balloons gonna be black? I do that. I do that whenever any of my friends turn 30 or have turned 30. Is I load everything up: black napkins, black plates, black balloons. Like it's a like it's a really happy funeral. There goes youth. <laughs> yeah, you have nothing to look for from now until retirement. Yeah. The last the last happy thing you got was your insurance discount at 25. <laughs>